Individuals and businesses with tax problems listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-616-4080. That's 800-616-4080. 800-616-4080. This is Radio Influence. This is the place that the UFC and Bellator come to for the inside scoop of what's going on in the world of mixed martial arts. The doors of the gym are opened up just for you. We are the MMA Insiders on Radio Influence. Coming up on this week's edition of the MMA Insiders Podcast, I am going to be joined by Caleb Williams, who trains out of American Top Team, and is coming off a win this past Friday night at RFC 38 in Tampa. We'll be discussing what it's like to be a fighter on the regional scene, the ups and downs, interesting and crazy stories. Plus, I'll ask Caleb about his thoughts on the state of a quote-unquote regional MMA. Now, before I bring in Caleb, I want to let you know about our friends at Fight TV. Fight is a go-to app for MMA fans and practitioners, live pay-per-views, and TV tapings, full-length matches, interviews, movies, and documentaries. Live stream free and premium MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing on the screen of your choice, phone, tablet, or TV by using just the Fight app. Download Fight free today by going to fightfite.tv forward slash radio influence forward slash Caleb. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. Obviously, uh, you, got, you got a victory last night. Uh, you got some stitches there on the nose. How, <laughs> how, how you feeling right now? I'm definitely sore. Uh, you know, a little banged up, bruised, but you know, definitely happy I got that win. You know, we're uh, about 12 hours uh, since since your fight. I mean, kind of. You know, tell my listeners what kind of goes through your head right now as you think back on the fight, and uh, I mean, and now you start to kind of think about what's next. You know, I, I'd like to look back and you know see what I did wrong, what I did right, things I can improve on. Um, you know, definitely looking forward to uh, getting the next one, but definitely got to get back to work after I heal up. I was there last night, and obviously the game plan was obviously get this fight to the ground. Um, you, know, you know, Vince was doing a good job of stopping the takedowns, uh, and then, you know, the, the gas tear on your nose comes in the third <laughs> round. Definitely. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you got he, he landed a great strike there, kind of uh, what, what's, do you, ever, you know, do you remember like what you th- were thinking when that landed? I'm not gonna lie. When he hit me with it, I actually don't really remember what he hit me with. I had to look back. Um, I kind of had a flash there for a second, and then I was like, "Oh crap, I'm bleeding." All right, clinch him back up. Let's get the you know fight back under control. You know, obviously, I felt like I won the first two rounds, but you don't want to just give up in the third. You know, you would definitely want to solidify that. You know, regional scene in the guy's hometown. You never know if you're gonna get that you know decision or not. So, don't want to slack. I tell you, when they read the scorecards and they said 30-27, I was like, because I thought it was a clear 29-28. I thought yeah. you won the first and second round. Third round, they would give it to him. Definitely agree. Um, and, but then I was kind of surprised. I mean, maybe that one judge said, because I think that strike was with about a minute to go yeah. uh, in, in the round. And, and I was like, okay, he's just got to survive this last minute because you know the onslaught's coming, which I thought it was kind of surprising when, you know, the, the 10 seconds left in the round and he just doesn't go balls to the wall. Yeah, you know, I was definitely surprised because, I mean, he definitely hurt me there for a second. Um, you know, I let my guard down, and, he, you know, he got me with that big gash. I was surprised that he didn't go for it even harder. I know that, he, you know, we were both tired, obviously. You know, it was a pretty grueling three-round fight, and, uh, you know, it's kind of tough when we're, you know, clinching up like that. Uh, I was just happy, you know, I was able to hold him off, you know, and kind of get through that last round. Nine months between fights for you. I, I know you, you talked about in your post fight interview last night of just kind of you know it's it's been a battle you know yeah. with with you know just the various things you have to deal with. Uh, you know they talk about ring rust. You know some guys will say oh it's mental it's it's not for you. Did did you feel it at all? Uh, you know I didn't really feel the ring rust as much. I think obviously 
when you're out of the cage, you know, you're not in there as often as you'd like to be. It's more like being just being comfortable, you know. Like, uh, obviously, there was definitely some nerves coming in, you know. Had that injury. I was out for a while. Um, you know, it's always in the back of your mind. How's my knee going to hold up? Am I going to be able to push through this? I went up a weight class, you know, and it, it definitely uh, it was a little nerve-wracking. But, you know, just kept my focus, went in there, and just did my thing and definitely grueled it out and got that win. Is 155 your permanent home? I think so. Definitely. Uh, those last couple cuts to 45 were pretty pretty grueling. Um, you know, I was cutting 35 pounds to make the weight class. And, you know, when a guy like me who's not really – I don't really blow up to the point where I get super fat after fights. So, like, I'm already lean because I eat clean year-round. So those, those cuts were – they're really taking out me. But I definitely feel a lot better at 55. You know, we've seen a, a lot of guys at the UFC level, Bellator level, regional scene that, that miss weight. And, you know, we're talking here. It's actually the, the day of UFC 205, and Tiago Alves misses weight, uh, which is the crazy part about that is because of New York laws. His opponent, Jim Miller, was on weight, had to start rehydrating because he had to be within five pounds of his opponent. Kelvin Gassum misses weight uh, by 10 pounds. He doesn't even get on the scale. They don't even put him on the scale because he, he's so over. What goes into the thought process when you're in, in that position where your opponent misses weight and you're kind of deciding whether to take the fight? Or for you, is it, uh, you know, the pay isn't the greatest on the regional scene. Everyone knows it. Yeah. Is it one of those things of I, I've got to fight because, you know what, I'm potentially losing half of my paycheck? Yeah, definitely. You know, it, obviously, you know, there's a limit to what you want to accept. You know, if a guy comes in, he's like 10, 15 pounds overweight, then you have to kind of think about that. But, you know, when it's within like five, six pounds, obviously, you know, usually we want to make rules like maybe they have to weigh in, only can weigh a certain amount the next day or something to kind of keep it somewhat safe. But, you know, when you put in an eight to ten week camp and you, you spent, you know, all that money into camp, all that time, you know, so obviously, in the regional scene, you have to have a job. You can't just focus and only fight, you know, because you got to pay the bills. Um, so you definitely almost have to take that fight because it's just kind of it's there. You put in the work. You're you're there. You made weight. It's like you might as well just do it because what else option do you have? You you back out. You only get half a check, and then it's like all right. Even though when you you get say you win a fight, obviously I spent more in my camp than I made, but it's just trying to get to that next level so yeah. you gotta get those wins yeah i mean the term you always hear regional fighter do you like that term hate it you indifferent it you know it really doesn't bother me it, it's almost like i consider it's like we're kind of like the minor leagues you know like you know baseball is minor you know, major leagues minor leagues it's kind of like that you know you got to put in your dues it's like when you go to a new gym you're not you know superstar you got to kind of like put in your dues you get you know you put in your work and then you start getting the the attention you know that you need um so it, it, it don't bother me that much. You know, and obviously, you know, people have their perceptions of, of what the regional scene is like. I, I always tell, especially from a reporter aspect, I think you should go to a regional show, just see what it's like. You know, um, I, I do a lot of people watching because it, it's <laughs> some of the people watching that is there. My business partner, Jerry's here, and that was his first MMA event last night. And uh, he, he definitely got the, the taste of what a, a regional show can be <laughs> like. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of interesting and, and crazy stories that happen out there. Is there anything that sticks out to you, something maybe you've seen at your oh, fight man. or maybe one of your teammates' fights? Man, you know what? I've seen so much stuff. Like, I was in North Carolina fighting once, and these guys come up to my corner, Ben, and they're like, hey, can you wrap my hands? He's like, yeah, 20 bucks." So they pay him $20, gets wrapped up. And then him and his teammate are having like a full-fledged almost battle on these mats, and he breaks his rib. So he's out. So that fight gets dropped. Um, I was at another show. A kid didn't have a cup on, and he walked up to the ref, and the ref was checking it, and he's like, cup? And he's like, it's a soft cup. <laughs> I mean, I've seen guys like get out of a fight, take his teammate's mouthpiece because he forgot his, pop it in his mouth, and go in the cage fight. <laughs> like... <laughs> Or you see, like, these some of these guys, um, you know, they bring their wives, and their wives are their corner, their matchmaker, their, or their manager, and their coach, and it's just, like, it's a mess. But it's 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 fun to be a part of, because it's like, you're kind of getting back to the roots of where everyone started on that regional scene, and just kind of see what it's like, you know, getting to travel, all these small little holes in all these bars, these hotels, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Where's the weirdest place you fought at? 
man, Andrews, North Carolina, in the middle of nowhere, up in the mountains. Like, it's like an hour and a half north of Atlanta, and literally nothing out there. No cell reception. Uh, the, the closest town, like, if you literally blink, you pass it. There was no sauna to cut weight. We had to cut weight in the hotel. Um, they literally, we fought in a pole barn where I'm pretty sure they built everything like a couple of days before because you could smell the fresh cut wood and everything of the bleachers <laughs> that they built. But I mean, it, it's, a, it, it's a lot of fun to kind of experience those kind of things, mm-hmm. you know, getting to travel. And it's like, you know, eventually one day when I get in the big scene, I can like look back where I came from, like, you know, fighting in these little holes in the walls like that and then going on a big stage. How did you get your start in MMA? The funny thing is, is uh, I grew up wrestling, so you know, I wrestled my whole life. I had college scholarships, but you know, after 15 years, I didn't want to do it. I was kind of burnt out, so uh, I kind of took you know the year off. I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and a buddy of mine just said, "Hey, there's this amateur fight that I know a guy that's setting him up. You want to do it?" And I was like, yeah, "Why not?" You know, I wrestled, I, you know, I, I kind of got the hang of some of this stuff. Obviously, I didn't know how to strike, but whatever, you know, I throw a punch and, uh, you know, went out there that night and I ended up knocking the dude out in like 16 seconds. And then from then on, I was like, this is what I want to do. I was like, just like my love for competing and the adrenaline rush. I was like, I, I got to pursue this. And training at American Top Team, obviously everyone knows about the, the gym down there. Uh, what was it about? Is it just simply you just wanted to be there because of all the training partners that are there? Um, you know what? Actually, uh, a really good friend of mine, Ryan Thomas, he got out of Bellator um, season two tournament when he fought Askren, and uh, he moved down there like two months before and came back home, and he uh, extended the invite to move down with him. Obviously, he was like, hey, you know, if you really want to pursue this, like come down. So you know, I moved down, got a one-way ticket when I was 19. Um, and obviously, I knew about American Top Team. I mean, some of the greatest fighters in the world, you know, train there, yeah. obviously, and it's a huge facility in Coconut Creek, Florida. How can you not want to live in Florida? <laughs> I've lived here all my life, so I'm not moving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not bad when it's, uh, you know, in October, it's uh, like 75 degrees outside. Okay. Yeah, you know, no snow, you know, and like during the holidays and stuff, you can get a hangout at the beach, everyone else is freezing in the snow. <laughs> you know, and you know, there's a lot of things they talk about, um, the fight game at this point. I know you were uh, around USADA when they came into American mm-hmm. Top Team, and, and obviously you're not you know there yet, but that's where you want to be. How much did you pay attention to what USADA said in, in terms of you know watching what you put into your body and things along those lines? You know, I really paid attention to that because obviously, you know, they wanted all of us there, whether we were in the sh- you know big show or not. They wanted all of our fighters there, obviously, because there's things that we need to know, we need to prepare for, um, you know, especially like the supplements. Like, you're not realizing how unregulated the, the supplement industry is and things that, you know, you could be putting in your body and not even know it and fail the drug test, which is, you know, terrible. Um, but I was really happy, you know, like, to hear that they're really cleaning up sport because obviously, you know, as a guy that, like myself, like, I don't, I know I don't use anything like that, but there are, there are obviously guys, and you might see some on the regional scene, but not as big as it was in the big show. And for them, you know, to be able to, clean it up like the way they are it's it's definitely the best thing for us well the part on the regional scene that i think a lot of people don't understand is there's literally no drug testing going on Nothing. i mean i know here in florida the only when they have to drug test is for a title fight yeah and then even then it's not like they're doing blood i mean it's usually just a urine, simple urine test which and that's not going to catch everything yeah, I've always said, I mean, you have to do blood if you're really, Definitely. truly going to, because when you start talking about testosterone, and th- I mean, yeah. I know there's there's more advanced testing with urine they're doing yeah. now, but, uh, you know, that's the thing is, and you you can look at another fighter, I mean, you, you have the eyeball test, yeah. you know, and, and you're sitting there, I mean, but what goes into, if you think you're fighting a guy that you think is juiced, is there a part of you that says, do I want to take this fight? Yeah, you know what, it's more just like, hey, you know, if he's juiced, I'm just going to go out there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat him fair and square, and... Just let him know that cheating's not the answer. Just because you're going to cheat doesn't mean you're going to win. You know, just I obviously you're going to run into. It. I've, I've probably fought guys that have you know done it, but you don't you don't know. It's hard to tell. Like some guys, some guys you look at them, and you're like, yeah, they're definitely on it. But then you get some of them that you you're not know because some guys like just their body doesn't really change that much. But maybe they're just like a little abnormally strong. And you're like, eh. 
Well, I think that's what we've seen with the UFC is, mm-hmm. you know, there's – I mean, it seems like we get it every week. There's And personally, I hate the statement of he's been provisionally suspended because I'm like, how let's go, let them go through the entire process yeah. before we start announcing because what happens if all of a sudden – it comes out. Oh no! It, it was a bad drug test. Now you, you've you've labeled this guy as a drug cheat, and, and it's not fair to the fighter. It's definitely not. You're you're discrediting his hard work that he put in. You know, like you see some of the guys that it was like a supplement thing. Like obviously, it was just a bad batch. Maybe you know it was some tainted supplements. Like you know, you, you at least like do the work and get everything, get the the story straight before you go announcing it. I know it's hard to keep everything under wraps. Obviously, like. People get a hold of stuff, things leak, but like try to do your best, you know. Don't don't like ruin the guys, you know. Like kind of like credit because you think he's a cheater, but really it wasn't his fault. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that surprises me the most is when you start seeing like the Tim Means situation, a tainted mm-hmm. supplement. Uh, Yo Romero it was the same situation. I would think that fighters would start to kind of figure out like, okay, I can't trust what's on this label. And, you know, I've talked about this story. There was an NFL player that I knew, and and what he did was he would always take it to the trainer, and the trainer would test it. Now, in MMA, you know, it's not like you can, you know, there may not, A, be the money, you know, because it's expensive to go out there and find it. But I I know that, you know, Jeff Nowitzki of the UFC, I mean, people can call him up and kind of, I mean, is it when you're at a a local supplement store, are you kind of, are you at all nervous of like, man, is something in here that may not, is, is not on the label? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, one of those things. Um, I know they have a website that they give they gave up most of us. That it, you can kind of cross-reference a lot of the things that, that are banned. They don't tell you what's good, but they, they have the banned list, at least. Um, obviously, you look for certain ingredients and stuff, but even then, it's not... You, you, you're, you know, taking a roll at the dice, whether it's going <laughs> to it's gonna be you know, tainted or not. But they said, um, you know, definitely, like, keep, you know, at least one sample of each time, you know, keep it. That way you have it, you know, for a couple months. And then if you don't, you know, you clear, then you can obviously throw it away and just do that with every supplement. I mean, I say I try to stick more to, like, more natural stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I'm sponsored by Garden Life, so I use all their products. You know, they're all non-GMO certified, you know, U.S. organic. So try to kind of stick to that path. You know, Garden Life, I, I've seen them uh, around, and, and that kind of leads to a sponsorship game. You know, everyone talks about it at the UFC level mm-hmm. of what's kind of going on, and obviously Bellator's using it as, as a recruiting tool to, to bring in. But for you, you know, fighting on that regional scene, what is a sponsorship game like? You know, it's it, it obviously, you know, there's there's things that are tough. Uh, you know, you you don't want to be that guy that have to go hustle. And stuff, but sometimes you have to, but you, you just got to be thankful of things you get. Like, I've just been putting in the hard work, and I figure, you know, when I'm at that level, you know, things would come. You know, I just got on with Garden of Life. I'm super stoked to be a part of a big team like that. Um, obviously, you know, I'm hoping for some other stuff, you know, down the road here soon. I just proved to 8-3, and three, you know, I'm coming up. So I know they're going to come. Obviously, you know, when I was a little lower, you know, it, it sucks, you know, you don't get that money. But it's like, it's not, at the end of the day, it's not really about the money. It's more just about getting to that higher level just because obviously things are going to come. You know, you can't worry about the money. You can't worry about the sponsorships because when you get to the big show, it's all going to come to you anyway. So you might as well just, like, put in the work and focus on you, get those W's, and hopefully get in a big show. You know, you mentioned about uh, fighting on a regional scene. You know, obviously training down in Coconut Creek here in Tampa. Do, do you prefer fighting on the on the road as opposed to maybe down in South Florida? You know, I actually do like traveling a lot. I like being the road dog. You know, the road warrior, because you, you get a lot more experience. It's like, obviously, it's awesome to sleep in your own bed and wake up and, like, stretch. You're like, all right, let's go, you know, let's go to the venue. But, like, you know, it's part of the experience getting to travel. You, get, you know, go places that, you know, you might not have went. Um, getting experience, new people, new cultures. Um, for me, it's it's kind of, it's, it's definitely the better part of, you know, the sport, getting to travel and see new things for me. You know, there was a point last night in your fight where there was booing going on. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously there was a lot of people there in yeah. support of your opponent. When you hear fans booing, what goes through your mind? Is it, is it one of those things of, okay, I hear that, this could influence the referee a little bit, so i got to make sure that I can maintain this position I have. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like, those, bu- those boos, like, they kind of just fuel you. You're like, all right, you know, obviously – I'm in the guy's hometown. I'm going to get booed. You know, they want to see their guy win. So, you know, those boos just like, all right, that's just an extra push, like light a fire under you and like, all right, let's keep working. Let's keep grinding. We're going to get this. 
after after your fight was over, I know you were back, uh, you know, with the commission and whatnot. And uh, one of the guys that was supposed to fight in the main event, he he decided to to call you out a little bit. I, did did you hear it while it was going on, or was it yeah, after the fact? I didn't hear it, but you know, there was some there was some stuff going on with that. Like uh, obviously, the guy like I I've tried to fight him a couple of times. You know, we got the they said no. You know, called him out on Facebook, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, we know nothing about this. So you know what? If if he wants to do it, the, the opportunity's been there all year. Um, obviously, I was sidelined for a little bit, but you know, if he wants to do it, I'm here for him. You mentioned about you know uh, promoting the fight, you know, because it's much more than just showing up on fight night. I mean, Definitely. Um, you know, everyone obviously points to Conor McGregor, and sometimes he can be over over the top in terms of. But you know, I say the one thing he does really well is. You know, people who who watch UFC 205, half of them want to see him lose, half of them want to see him win, and that's where you're winning because yeah. now you've got them all there. But for you, as you're working your way up, how do you kind of balance uh, that act of making sure you know to, to properly promote a fight? I mean, you definitely want to take all the steps you can. You know, sometimes you gotta you gotta talk smack to people, and sometimes you know you gotta be humble. It's just you got to promote yourself. You gotta you gotta build your name for yourself before you get the big show. If you don't build a name for yourself, then you got there, and then you're like. All right, now I'm here. Now I got to build a name on top of that. Like, you might as well start now, and then you get the following. And man, Connor, like, he's the the reason he makes so much money is because obviously, like you said, people either tune in to watch him lose or they tune in to watch him win. But either way, it's a win win for him because they're tuning in and he's getting those pay per view cuts. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've also <laughs> I've always said is the 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 tool that fighters have that doesn't cost anything social media. Yeah. And, you know, once you get that following up and people start to get interested in you and, you know, then they start they start bombarding guys like uh, Sean Shelby and now Mick Maynard and Dana White to say, hey, give me a look. Yeah. You know, it's part of the game. It's definitely, you know, uh, it, it, it's almost like a second job running social media. You got to run your Twitter. You got to run your Instagram. You got to run like Facebook pages and stuff and then like other little sources. It's, it, it is hassling, but at the end of the day, it's, it's part of it and you're, you're just building your brand. You, know, you got to establish yourself, like kind of single yourself out amongst thousands of other fighters. You know, you got to kind of like make sure you stand out, so the people are like, oh, you know, look at this guy. We want to follow this guy. I mean, you talk about standing out. I mean, also, I mean, you got to stand out inside the gym, so your coaches will will pay attention to you as well. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember talking to a, a fighter at the Black Zillion camp, and he had said to me, he said, he goes, I have to start doing things so these coaches pay attention to me. He goes, otherwise, you're just Here's another guy. He's like, look, I'm not making the money that the UFC guys are making, so I have to do something special here to let them know, hey, you need to be working with me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, man, when you're in the gym, you got to grind. you got to grind hard, and, you know, you can't turn down, you know, rounds just because, like, guys, like, way better than you or something. you got to go in there, and you just got to give them the fight. You're like, you know what? Hey, maybe I go with Dustin Poirier. Maybe he whips my ass. But, you know, I go in there, and I fight till the end you know the round and you know just hopefully the coaches like see that like you know you're trying to work hard you're going to push yourself and get better and that way you know they're like all right this kid you know he's got heart you know he's he's always got potential he's working his way up like let's help this kid well it's also like training is the hard part definitely the fun part is fight night <laughs> yeah. i mean because i mean especially for you where you train i mean you're going against killers every day yeah it's definitely uh it's, it's definitely growing i mean there's there's times in the gym where you definitely feel way worse than you did in a fight. There's times that you go in a fight. Like, obviously, last night I got some bumps and bruises, but there's been times where you don't even really get touched. And you're, like, thinking about, like, man, I'm sore, but it's all injuries from training because, obviously, you're American Top Team. We train in a pool full of sharks, and you feel like you're the goldfish in there. <laughs> but, you, you know, you just got you to stick it out. And, obviously, it's, it's the reason, you know, I'm happy to be at the camp I am because it's definitely, I mean, we, we produce champions. I mean, it's definitely blessed to be where I'm at. You know, a lot of people love to be at that gym, and they're not. Um, so I just take advantage of it. And now the new facility there. Um, I've been, I haven't been to the new one. I, I've been to the old one, and I've been told about what the new one's like. I mean, for you, what's, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, just kind of the amenities because it is a newer gym where you have the dorms there. Um, Jackson Wink has done the same thing. It's it's the evolution of, of the training game. Man, it's awesome. Like, obviously, you got to miss the old gym. The old gym, like, just the way it was set up stuff, it was awesome. But, man, this new facility, 40,000 square feet. You know, we got all new. Um, we got, like, 70 yards of turf. You know, we push our sleds. Um, we got way more mass space. We got a 30-foot cage. Um Pretty much all of our 
mats have cage panels, so you can always get the cage work. Uh, we got a cold tub. It's, you know, always set, you know, between 50, 60 degrees, so you don't have to worry about ice baths, brand new sauna, um, the dorms, obviously, and, man, just, like, the facility itself is just, like, when you walk in, you walk past the front desk, and you look to the left, and you got the, the case with all the belts, you got the UFC, the two UFC titles in there, you got the Bellator champs, like, man, it's, it's just, like, when you walk in that gym, you just want to go to work. Like, it really is motivating to walk in there. I mean, obviously, you're at the point now, it's it's about the recovery, recovering mm-hmm. from the fight. And then um, I know a lot of guys have gotten into cryotherapy. Is that something that you have started dabbling? I haven't done it yet. I, I, I've been wanting to try it out. Like, obviously, we got some facilities, and um, a lot of the guys at the gym do do it. I just I haven't had a chance to try it out yet. It, it looks you know, pretty legit. <laughs> Just <laughs> being <laughs> negative 200 something degrees Celsius sounds terrible, but obviously, uh, I definitely want to try. I mean, I do the cold tub, uh, you know, the cold tub's kind of similar, but it's, uh, it's a little different. Um, but I definitely got to get in there and try that out. When it comes to the cold tub, is it kind of like the, you got to ease yourself in there? Or are you just like, you know, let's screw it. I'm, I'm just jumping in. Boom. Let's go. You just got to jump in, <laughs> jump in and don't move. Every time you move, it gets colder. <laughs> I gotta ask you about the walkout song last night. Is it always the same walkout song? No, you know it, it, we change it up every time. Um, usually, it's stuff I listen to during camp. You know, things that motivate. And then, obviously, some shows some shows um, have you know rules like can't have you know cuss words or this. You know, so sometimes you know you pick a song that you really want to walk out to. They deny it, so you just gotta have something. And then sometimes you get to fight night and they haven't approved anything, and you're just like pick something. <laughs> Did you, did you pick uh, Gangster's Paradise? Yeah, I, pick, I picked it. I, my buddy um, Brandon Sanford walked out to it when we went to Michigan. When it was like right after I got out. I was just going through my rehab and stuff, and I was like, it's pumped seeing him get a win on that. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to walk out to this song. Uh, American May, the nickname. Did, now, you didn't give it to yourself, did no, you? No, <laughs> It's actually a funny story. Um, we do like a like, bunch of like events and stuff at the gym, and we do pro wrestling. And obviously, yeah, yeah. buddy of mine, Tim, we're tag team partners, and we're the whole story. We're basically like rednecks, and we're the Maid Brothers, M-A-Y-D-E, <laughs> and we're American Maid. And uh, buddy of mine, Blake, um, I fought at the Hard Rock 2014, and he was the announcer for the show, and he announced me as American Maid, and next thing you know, it's stuck. Like, when we get calls, like, for fights, like, promoters be like oh your nickname's this like american made and i was like all right i guess we're gonna stick with it we're gonna roll with it so were you a pro wrestling fan growing up definitely i was a big stone cold fan scott steiner <laughs> <laughs> tell me a little bit about the uh the, I, i've seen the the videos of the wrestling shows that happened at att uh, you know was it something that you just knew was coming You're like hey, i gotta get me involved man it was it's it's funny because I, I i work the front desk as well at the gym so i work at the gym as well which is awesome obviously you know having a part-time job at the gym definitely helps out in the region scene but you know we have these events and then like four years ago i was like god dude i definitely want to get in so i had my first wrestling event we did like you know every year it's been getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and now like we had a couple tna guys and we had gangrel old wwf guy (laughs) on this last show um but you know it's fun to like go out there and do it obviously you gotta you know when you got fights coming up you gotta be careful with it but it's fun to go out there and like do all this crazy stuff for the kids. We have a blast doing it, you know. And it's it's a lot of fun. You know, I got to meet a lot of cool characters. You know, I, I met Stevie Richards. Um, obviously, we got King Mo at the gym, Bobby Lashley and stuff. And then um, Wes Briscoe, Gangrel. I mean, going to meet those guys. I met Goldberg. It's it's pretty cool. And we've seen some professional wrestlers come into uh, in MMA. I yeah. mean, obviously, Brock is, is the yeah. most notable for, for winning it. We saw what happened with CM Punk. Yeah. Uh, your teammate there, uh, Lindsey uh, yeah, Lindsay Jones. <laughs> I guess you just say destroyed Kid Cash. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> I mean, that gif is still all over. I mean, I remember, I think it was like instantly Flow Combat had put it out, out oh, yeah. there. They had man. It was like right as soon as it happened. I was like, "Oh man, poor kid, Cash." <laughs> I mean, it was it was bad, but I, I had the feeling we're going to see. It's not the end of professional wrestlers coming in May. I mean, I think it's um, you know maybe some guys get burnt out on the you know on that scene. Definitely, I think that, and then also you know MMA is kind of taking a pro wrestling approach nowadays. Like obviously, uh, 
you know, with like the way you're promoting the fights, Conor McGregor obviously like big on it. Um, it's it's just the way things are going, you know, to promote the fights. You know, it's taking a pro wrestling approach. And I think that pro wrestlers are seeing that and they're like, you know what? Maybe I've always something I wanted to do. Uh, let me try, you know, the way since things are going like that. Let's try and do this. Do you have to look, though, for you in terms of promoting a fight, do you look at professional wrestling of how they promote their matches and maybe try to see, okay, how can I maybe take a piece of what they do, maybe take a piece of someone else and figure out how I promote, promote my own fight? A, a little bit, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, the guys, when they cut, like, promos on news, I mean, it's it, I mean it's smack talk, but it's, it's definitely something, you know, you definitely want to take a little look at because um, it, it works. It definitely works, you know, and it, and it hypes people up. People are like, oh, you know, because I think even people that are not big wrestling fans, when they were kids, watched yeah. pro wrestling. So it's like it, everyone can kind of relate to that. I mean, here in Tampa, it's like it's <laughs> – I mean, it's a lot of the guys live here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know at a gym I used to be at, um, the guys would come in, you know, and they would be in there. And sometimes I'd look at them and go, good Lord, those guys are huge. Yeah. I mean, you don't – I mean, you see them, you'll see them on TV and you're like, oh, but then you see them in person like, Good lord! It's it's amazing. Like you're like, man, how can a guy that big do what he does on stage? Because I mean, those guys are athletes. You yeah. Know, they, they, like obviously, you know, people say like, oh, it's fake. It's like, yeah, it's it's fake. But I mean, those bumps and some of the stuff that they do. I mean, it still hurts. It's real. You still take a bump. <laughs> I mean, so like being able to like do flips and all that crazy acrobatic stuff they do when you're like 230 pounds. You know, man, like that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy with what those guys can do. I, I did get some questions from fans, and, and, and one of the, the first questions I got I thought was just hilarious because I, I hear this story all the time. This was from Mark Brennan. He goes, uh, do promoters tend to stiff fighters' pay? Um, you, know, you hear this. I mean, yeah. this is it, – it's something that happens, um, and it's, it's kind of a risk you kind of take. Yeah, it's definitely um, – I've had it happen to me once fought for a, a show it was like from puerto rico but they had a show over here in daytona got stiffed obviously can't really hit them up because they're in puerto rico now but i mean I've, I've heard i've had some friends you know things that happen um guys you know promoters maybe they didn't make the money and they're like oh you know, i'm gonna try and stiff these guys but the night i mean the nice thing is like most promoters they have to have a bond so you know you go out like commission and like eventually you'll get paid it just might take a while <laughs> yeah i mean that's i mean that's that's the crappiest part is if it you're is. expecting to get that paycheck on fight night and you know say you fight on on a saturday and you're like all right i'm taking that check to the bank on monday i've got to pay this got to pay that and then you know you sometimes you hear stories where you know a check doesn't come until a week two three weeks after yeah. and, and that's I mean, and that's the crappy part about it. And you know as a fighter do you want to go public with that information because then you're like well if i go public am i even going to get the money I mean, definitely. I mean, if I mean, if it's like a show, I mean, you definitely want to call them out. And like, even if you end up not getting paid, but you know, you can warn other people, like, hey, man, don't fight for this guy. He's not gonna. You're not gonna get paid. I mean, at least you get something out of it. You know, worst case, you know, at least you got the fight. Maybe you got the win. And if you got a win and you didn't get paid, like, it sucks. But at least you got a win. If you lose, it really sucks. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we talked about the the guys who miss weight. You know, all of a sudden they can't make weight, and as, as a fighter, you say, you know what? No, I'm not taking the fight. He's not getting paid. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and is that one of the biggest um, disrespects in the sport? Is you sign a contract and say, hey, I'm going to make 155, and your opponent comes in, let's say he's three, four pounds over. Is that one of the biggest disrespects there is? I, I feel like it is. I mean, I, like as a professional, like your your job is to train prepare for the fight and make your contracted weight the fight's like a bonus that's the fun part like you can't even be like oh that's my job no that's the that's the bonus part like you're a professional you should make weight like i get it there's times when guys like they have you know a medical issue like obviously like there's times when guys go dry because they just try to cut too much weight um but like if you feel like you can't make the weight then you don't need to be fighting at that weight you need to move up you can't like say hey i'm gonna make 55 and not make it. I mean, would you yeah. almost rather the, the team, you know, call you like an hour or a couple hours before the weigh-ins and go, well, okay, we're not going to make 155. Let's do a catch weight of 158. I mean, wouldn't you rather for them just to kind of own up and say, look, we're not going to make it. Let's do a catch weight. Yeah, like, you know, if it's something like that and it's close, like, I, I get it. You know, there's, like I said, there's times where you just stop sweating and it's just, it's not happening. You know, maybe you always make weight, but you're just having a rough one. 
And like if they if you get the call ahead of time and you're like, hey, I'm in the middle of my weight cut, I can stop a little early. Like okay, like that's that's reasonable, you know. All right, I'll take that. But like when you don't say anything, you just show up and you just like. And most of the times when guys miss weight, not all the time, but a lot of times, especially on the regional scene, guys are just like, what? <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Like, you got to fight. Like, they get, like, they're arrogant about it. Like, it's your problem. It's like, dude, you didn't make weight. Yeah. Like, like obviously, I'm going to be pissed at you. You didn't make weight. You know, it, it's like I go back two weeks ago when, when Charles Oliveira missed weight for his fight against Lamas. And, and I'm sitting there, and first off, you can't let him fight at 145 anymore. No. But then I'm sitting there go, how does Lamas not ask for more than 30%? I know. It... it God, man, like you'd want you want more. It's like, well, man, come on, like give me more, especially when it's like that bad, dude. That dude, Oliveira just <laughs> he needs to go up to fifty five because he's just he's always missing. I'm surprised that they've actually let him go on at forty five as long as he have. Like he's constantly missing weight. You know, one of the things that the Association of Boxing Commission is talking about is um, eliminating one seventy. And then they would add 165, um, 175, and 195. And there's so many guys. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of guys in your gym you can point to say, hey, if there was 165 or 195, they'd be ideal. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at Nate Diaz as, as a perfect example. I think he'd be perfect for a, a 165. Rashad Evans, 195, I think yeah. makes a lot of sense. When you think about Rich Franklin back in the day, if there was a 195 pound you know, oh, yeah. weight class, it would have been perfect for oh, you. Yeah. Um, you know, what's your thoughts on kind of the, you know, the, the, the ABC looking at additional weight classes. I think they should add weight classes, you know, because it goes every 10 pounds up to 55, and then all of a sudden it jumps to 70, 85. It's like, why not have the 65, 75, 85, 95? And then I think they should go even farther and do 205, like a 225, and then heavyweight. Yeah, they don't want to do 225. For some. Um, you know, I've talked to some people about that, and, you know, the fear is it waters down. I mean, 205 is pretty watered down as yeah. it is. And the fear is you you would water down 205 even more, and you'd water down heavyweight. Um, but I, I think there is a lot of guys out there that are like that heavyweight 230, 235, and now the guy going there against a guy who's cutting to get to 265. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's kind of one of those things. It sucks because there are definitely not a lot of guys like those are kind of like the the low like the weight classes that are just not full, and they need more guys there. But I mean, it would just I think it would make better fights. Definitely, because you wouldn't see so much lopsided. Like, you know, when you find a guy that's cut from 315 or something like that to 265, there's some guys out there like that, that are 300 pounds cutting down. Yeah. And they got a guy that walks around 230, but obviously he can't make 205. Like, it's just out of his reach. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, like I look at the Tiago Alves situation, for example, and I can't help but wonder because part of the stipulation was, I believe, is he can't weigh more than 173 tonight when he weighs in. And it's kind of like, okay, when he starts rehydrating, are we talking about he's got to do another cut to make sure he's on weight on fight day? And is that the yeah. and is that the most healthy thing for a fighter? It's definitely not. You know, I've I've done something similar to that. Like in North Carolina, they have the thirteen pound rule. Like you have to be a second weigh in the next day. You can only be thirteen pounds over what you weigh in. But you know, like it, it's definitely not that healthy. I mean, I get it on the other guy's side. But, I mean, he's, like, is he really going to be 173? I mean, he weighed, like, I, I guarantee Miller's probably going to be, you know, 75, like, close to, sometimes they weigh more. But, I mean, it's it's definitely not the healthiest thing, you know. Yeah. So, like, what, Pipple was, what, six pounds over? You know, it doesn't get, yeah, he yeah, weighed 162. Yeah, that's not that's not a lot of room. I mean, by the time you hydrate and eat, you're going to be over that. You know, all he, can, he's probably, he might have to just, like, limit what he eats, what he drinks. Yeah, I mean, Olivera had to do that yeah. last week. He had to cut weight, and um, I know Guillermo Cruz of MMA Fighting was saying that literally he was cutting weight up until an hour before he weighed in. And, I mean, he almost got the win, but you, you can't help but wonder, um, especially, I mean, we're talking, you know, the, the night of UFC 205 is if that fight gets into the second or third round, is there an effect on him? Yeah, I mean, what was that going to do to his performance? Also, like, his health? I mean, was that long-term, you know, stuff like that? Like, I mean... Things like that, you know, cause problems like later on. So it's it, it sucks for him. You know, it sucks they obviously didn't make weight. Like and like you said, like if there was those more weight classes, I think one sixty five would be a better fit for him. Yeah, it's uh, and one thing about the ABC, they're they're trying to do make you know 
they're trying to make sure they're doing everything that's best for fighters' health. And, and I think that under Mike Mazzulli, they've done a great job of, of sitting there and, and just, you know, and, and I think the biggest thing is they've got, um, they've got this committee where it's former fighters on there. Yeah, definitely. You know, that are kind of trying to help. I know um, there's some things they want to do to kind of help refereeing. And I know here in Florida, you know, there, there's some referees that you, you definitely don't want working your fight. Definitely. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, and, you know, I come from an NFL background where, you know, you hear about teams, they will scout the officials that are working their fights. Have you ever scouted a referee or a judge for your fight? Obviously, there's, you know, a couple that you don't want. And obviously, as a fighter, like, I've been told that, you know, if you see that rep, you know, because you can't, like, pick who they choose for the refs. Say they have their two or three refs there. But you can, like, when you walk up, if you see, like, a rep that you don't feel comfortable with, you can be like, you know, I don't feel safe. Like, can we have a different rep? You know, at least that much you can try to do. I mean, I don't want to say names, but there are a couple guys out there on the <laughs> on the Florida, you know, commission, like as far as referees that, you know, have made not, you know, it's not just like, oh, they make a bad call here and there, like consistently make some terrible calls. Oh. And they ruin, you know, they ruin some guys' livelihoods. You know, when you call it, you stop a fight too early, you know, you stop a fight too late, you make, you know, you just miss blatant, you know, fouls, like. Be consistent. Yeah, you know, it's like. You gotta, you gotta, you know, work to, to better yourself. You know, you can't just be like, it's you can't go out there and like ruin these guys. Like you, you stop a fight too early. Maybe a guy's like perfectly fine, and you just cost him a half his check, and you cost him a win that cost him maybe moving on. Yeah, I mean, what if all of a sudden he knew that win was going to get him to the UFC, and now you know he's looking at a ten and ten deal. Yeah. Which newsflash, there's not ten and ten deals on the regional scene. No. <laughs> you know, and I think that's the biggest thing fans I think don't understand is you know you see a regional show on a, on an Access TV or, or or Fight Pass or um, any of these streaming services that are out there. I, I think that that's the thing fans don't understand is that it's not. Perce- I always use the term perception is not reality when it comes to yeah. to pay. It's definitely you know like guys like you know there's shows like Titan RFA and stuff like that, and people are like oh well they're on Access TV or oh they're on UFC Fight Pass, but it's like. They're still regional shows because the guys are making the same money pretty much on that show that guys are making yeah. on shows like RFC and stuff. That you, it's there's no difference. The only difference is they they're on TV, so it's like oh, it's a bigger deal because you're on TV, but you're making the same pay. And like, I don't think people understand that. It's like just because you're on that show, like it's not it's not UFC or it's not Bellator, or it's not World Series, it's not a big you know up tier promotion where you're making more money. Is that something you think about when you're taking the fights if if it's uh, on TV or being streamed? No, you know, you know what? I just I like you know look at matchups and like obviously, you know, we fight you know whoever obviously tough fights and stuff. But you obviously want to look at matchups. You know how does this match up well? You know because right now you you want to get to the big show. You know you don't want to, you know, pick the wrong fight and then you take a chance of losing and it sets you back that much more. Obviously you got to take risks. You got to fight tough guys. I mean there's a lot of tough guys in the regional scene and you know like Vince Vince last night. You know. It was a good matchup for me, but I mean, he's a tough dude. He's, you know, he hasn't been finished as a pro. I mean, and you know, he's a good striker. He had it was harder. I had a hard time trying to take him down than I was expecting. Um, but you got to pick fights like that so you can move on to get to that the next level. He's a taller one fifty five or um, you know at six foot two. How much did that cause kind of some problems for you in in, in just preparations? I mean, did you kind of have to just find those taller guys? I had to spar with seventy pounders. <laughs> Luckily, I had uh, my buddy Jake. You know, he's six three. You know, fights at one seventy. Had to use spar with him, and obviously, it's it's a lot different sparring with a bigger guy. You know, those those shots, you know, take a lot more out of you. Um, but it was it was definitely a lot trickier than I was expecting. I was expecting to go out there and be able to take him down a little easier. Mm-hmm. Even though he's long, I was like, all right, you know, I, I got good wrestling. I take him down. But, man, I give it to him. He was, he was a lot harder to take down. And, man, he was, it was hard to hold down. He popped right back up. So it was a lot of work. <laughs> By the way, did you see uh, the post-fight interview from the main event? I did not. I didn't get a chance. So the winner is laying on – they announced him as a winner. He's laying on the ground, and it looks like he's injured. And it was a whole ploy because he was um, proposing to his girlfriend, who he, who he still called crazy. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if you want to call your girlfriend crazy yeah. when you're about to propose. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think if I would have done that to my wife, she would have probably looked at me a little crazy. Uh, yeah, I think. She would go, go, you're calling me crazy? What, you want me to marry you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, it, it was, I always, I always find regional shows interesting. 
because oh. you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's the the characters are definitely it's it's like you said, like people watching. You see some interesting characters on the regional scene. You know, I I was uh, in line getting a beverage, and uh, someone was trying to uh, you know throw some lines on the uh, the bartender. She's like, "Don't you want to come to the after party?" Which you know, anyone who's been, you know, where the after party was at. She yeah. goes, "No, I'm going home to my son." I was <laughs> like, "Oh man!" Oh. <laughs> and then the thing I hate, one of the things I hate about regional, can we get rid of the intermission? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I get I get the point of it. Like, uh, like for me last night, it was nice only because. I had another teammate on the in the card, and he was fight five, and I was fight seven, and then like one of he uh, so Mike obviously my corner man had to go out, and it was like it was just enough to break it up, and give me a little more time to warm up, but sometimes those intermissions are a little like they put too many in there. Like if you put want to put one little quick one, like a five ten minute intermission just to kind of space out something, okay. But there's shows that sometimes they put like a five ten minute intermission every couple fights, and it's like. And I don't want to be here till two, three o'clock in the morning. Like, let's get this, let's get this rolling. I was, I was standing next to your manager during the national anthem, and it was uh, incredible. I mean, just uh, incredible. If there, anyone has a video of it, that you got to see it. It is just awesome. Did he cry? <laughs> <laughs> No, there definitely was not any crying, crying involved. Uh, I mean, it was it was interesting, but it's one of those things that you, you just see. Um, what's fight day like for you? You know what? It's uh, I try to keep obviously the guys I always bring with me. I always try to bring guys that you know keep me in a good positive mood. I try to make it almost like another day in the gym. Just you know, sit there, hang out with my guys. You know, we'll go have breakfast. Come back, relax. You know, go eat a good lunch. Just you know, talk about you know stuff. Either not really too much about the fight itself. You know, we'll talk about fight day. We'll talk about other stuff. You know, politics, things like that. Uh, make jokes. You know, just kind of try to keep a good positive spirit. And then you know, obviously, once we get to the show, you know, kind of start getting you know more serious about the fight. Um, a lot of times, I like to. I'm usually. Anymore, I'm towards the end of the car, so usually I'll get there. I either try to take a nap or just kind of like hang back, relax until you know it's time to get you know wrapped up, and then just start going through our whole process, getting ready for the fight, wrapped up, get your gear on, start stretching, start warming up, um, and then when it's time to go, we make that walk. After you make weight, is there a go-to uh, food item? Actually, um, it it, ju- it just depends. Um, I always like I really usually don't eat. For a couple hours, I have to you know slowly rehydrate. I have like you know whole like process that my you know my nutritionist kind of plans out for me. You guys, you can't just go and eat because like I've kind of depleted myself and I just mm-hmm. I can't process that food. You know I'm just gonna get sick. So hydrate until you know start peeing clear. You know I know I'm hydrated. Usually about the two hour mark. Go out. You know try to get some you know some sort of lean proteins. Uh, either you know some sort sort of like good carb i don't i don't really like pasta sits heavy on me so like you know something like white rice or you know i'll go get sweet potato and then like some good greens depending on where we're at i like sushi sushi's obviously I'm going because it's I'm a big sushi fan yeah you know it's the simple white rice you know lean proteins it digests well you know gives you energy um obviously paying where you're at you know if you're not in florida don't really want to <laughs> venture out and get sushi because don't know how fresh that is you know but like you know go either find a steakhouse so i'm getting like some grilled chicken or you know, sometimes like this this time my since I went up, you know, manager told me or nutritionist told me to get you know some red meat, so I got some red meat, some you know good white rice. Just kind of get you know ready for the next day. When you're uh, not in camp, what is the uh, cheat meal? Man, I love ice cream. I have a big sweet tooth. Big <laughs> sweet tooth. What's the favorite ice cream? Uh, man, I like the the Talenti, the the, the frozen gelato. Okay. It's like simple ingredients. Like there's only like five or six ingredients, so it's like it's not a bunch of crap, but it's oh, so awesome. And like the thing is, like I'll get like a pint and I eat the whole pint. <laughs> like some people, are like oh, I like I eat on it a couple of days. Like I eat the whole thing. That's like that's a serving. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I look at foods and the uh, suggested serving size. Like yeah, that is not a serving size. Yeah. Like I saw someone put on Facebook the other day. If you look at uh, peanut butter uh-huh. and the serving size, people would be just amazed how small it is. Yeah. Like two tablespoons i'm like nah that's that's not gonna do it no i killed i killed half a jar of almond butter yesterday like we had like this almond <laughs> butter i killed like half a jar 
<laughs> yeah, my wife jokes at me. Um, you know, I'd always eat Uncrustables because uh, traveling with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on our plane is Uncrustables. And she would just like look at me and she goes, you're ridiculous. And then I go to Sam's Club one day and I, I buy a package. And she must have ate half the package within two weeks. They're amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're the best. <laughs> They're the best thing. It reminds me of like, childhood, like the PB&Js. Oh, they're so good. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like a go-to meal for me. Oh, it's She'll laugh about it. I'll say, yeah, it's my dessert. But like, well, why? It's like, I guess it's delicious. <laughs> and you know you, I know you like them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we've got an ice cream place here in South Tampa that's been forever. I always get a cookies and cream milkshake. Oh, yeah. You know, but I just, I, I know, like, I sit there, I tell people, I go to the gym. Because when you travel, you can't. It's it's tough to eat eat right when yeah. you're not home. Definitely, uh, you know the the road diet. It's never usually anything spectacular. It's a lot of just quick meals. Just like hey, just whatever's open, get it. <laughs> oh, I go to Kansas City next weekend, so I'm gonna be just tearing up barbecue on that Saturday night. And I'm you know some I'm, good barbecue there. <laughs> yeah, they, that that's the best part about you talked about. You love traveling. I mean, that's part of the you know living that road life of. You know, being able to go to different places and, and and have different foods. I, I was out in San Fran um, a couple of weeks ago. We went to an acoustic concert uh, where Metallica was the headliner. Oh, nice! You know, and, and so it, it was it was interesting watching this you know, metal you know rock band try to play acoustic, which was really interesting. You know, but those are the things that you know. I, every time I go on the road, I try to find something. You definitely find those little holes in the wall. Places that you know only the locals know about. <laughs> Start asking around, and you know usually if it's if it's like looks like the place is almost falling apart, but it's packed. You know you're in business. Oh yeah, there, there's some definitely some hole hole in the walls. You know, um, especially here in Tampa. Right. Um, you know, I did. I gotta imagine since I know where you're at here in Tampa. Did you see any uh, interesting nightlife uh, after your fight last night? Oh god, yeah. You, I mean, just driving around, I didn't realize how many strip clubs were in just like this one we, little area. We, we are the king of the strip clubs. <laughs> I was like, it was like, it was like one here, one across the road, and one just down the block. There's probably about five to seven, about within a three mile range of here. Yeah, I was like, I was, I was like, wow, <laughs> it was long. But there, man, there's a lot of a lot of restaurants too, and like a lot of like. I feel like uh, last year when I came here and fought RFC, there wasn't as much. I feel like they they added some more stuff here. Yeah, yeah, right around the stadium, it's kind of um, in a way, kind of it's becoming like a restaurant row because they're all uh, International Plaza is a, mm-hmm. the, one of the big uh, malls here, and a lot of the places are moving out of there because the rent's so high, and now you're you're starting to see it. It's uh, you know, it's I, I personally love it. Plus, I don't have to deal with any cold weather. Yeah, definitely. Man, Tampa's nice. You know, so I mean, what's so? What's next for you? I mean, is it is it now just kind of recovery, sit back with your management, and kind of figure out what's next? Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously, I got a thirty day suspension. Uh, you know, let myself heal up, and then uh, get through the holidays. You know, everything kind of slows down towards the end of the year, anyways. You know, probably looking, you know, first quarter of next year, uh, get back in there maybe around February. With the thirty day suspension, I mean, obviously you can, you know, you gotta you know, honor that suspension. But what do you do over the next thirty days? Um, you know, obviously, like if I didn't have stitches, you know, I would just kind of get back or lift, you know, lift some weights. You know, I would train, but not anything crazy. I wouldn't do any live stuff. Maybe some pad work, hit the bag, weights, you know, run stuff like that, and they ease back into training. But um, now that I got stitches. Obviously, I'm not really going to do a whole, whole lot. Just kind of let my body heal up. I got some, you know, bumps and bruises. So, uh, when you've had, you know, obviously as I look at it, I can see it. Ever get any weird looks when you, after a fight? You know, when you maybe you just walk <laughs> around town? <laughs> Definitely people, you know, especially like if I have to fly or something and you see like you're cramped in an airplane, people just like constantly glancing at <laughs> like, wonder like, what happened to this guy? <laughs> but that, isn't that where you got to have the sunglasses on? Just kind of, uh, you know, hide it a little bit? Yeah. Definitely, I you know usually try to hide it. This one, you know, this one being on the bridge of the nose is kind of hard to hide. Yeah, yeah, you can't hide that one. I, I've been on some planes with fighters, and and you see that they do their best to try to hide it, but you definitely see the looks. It's definitely it's 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 kind of funny to see the stuff, and it's like people like sometimes people even grab their kids like, oh come on, <laughs> like like you're some like scary monster, but it's like yeah, I'm just beat up a little bit. <laughs> When somebody doesn't know you and, you and they ask, hey, what do you do? You go, oh, I'm an MMA fighter. Actually, do, they, do they understand what it is? I don't always tell people. Like, uh, it, it depends on where I'm at. Like, I, like, if I'm, like, out and about and I just meet some stranger and like, people ask it, because obviously they see my qualifier or something, and I'm like, you know, I wrestled or I tell them I just, I just train at a gym. You know, I don't really tell them that I fight. Um, 
but when I do like tell people, they're just like, they look at me like, really? Like you, you chose to fight for a profession? <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's like, they think I'm crazy. <laughs> What's your family think of you being a fighter? Yeah, my family's really supportive. Um, obviously, uh, funny things. My mom cried my first fight, even though I didn't get hit. She wanted me to get beat up. Cause she didn't want me to want to <laughs> pursue this. <laughs> How does mom root against you? Man, that first one she did, but you know what? Like now, like you know, uh, man, I've had a lot of fights. You know, I had like twelve or thirteen amateur fights, and you know, I just had my twelfth pro fight last night. So I've, I've had quite a few fights, and you know, stitches, you know, a few times, and you know, she's handled it pretty well. She's, you know, she wasn't able to make this one, but uh, you know, every time that she can, she's always there. She's front row, you know. She, She's a nervous wreck, but, you know, she knows that this is what I love to do. So she's just happy that I'm, you know, I pursue something that I, I truly enjoy. Is she the loud parent in the crowd or is she the, the doesn't say anything? She's definitely a loud one. <laughs> she's, she's definitely screaming. I mean, she's not like crazy, crazy screaming, but she's definitely loud. When she yells, you, you definitely hear her. <laughs> is there ever a point where, you know, after the fight or before the fight, you're like, Mom, come on. You, I got to hear my corner. You need to calm it down. <laughs> Surprisingly... You know what? I, I'm actually pretty good at you know uh, tuning everyone else out. I just kind of focus on that one boy. So luckily, I got you know I got a great corner man, Ben Stark. Like I bring him everywhere with me, and uh, man, his instructions are very precise. They're they're easy to follow. His voice, like he doesn't yell. It's just like he's just talking, but it's like he's right there. And man, I just it's it's easy to follow everything. And he always you know guides me through everything. You know, one thing I've always said is. Um Cerrone's talk about this because they, they ask him, go, why don't you corner fighters? He goes, oh, I'm a crappy cornerman. He goes, you don't want me in my corner. Um, you know, for you, uh, when you, when you corner guys, how do you evaluate your corner skills? I think I'm a good corner. You know, I try to do my best. Obviously, you know, it's hard, you know, to fight in corner. You know, like, obviously coach. I don't coach, you know, anyone. But I, I feel like I'm a good corner. You know, I can wrap hands. I don't know how to work a cut. But I can, you know, I know how to wrap hands. I know how to obviously hold pads and warm me up. I, I pretty much run everyone through the same thing that Ben runs me through, um, and uh, I try not to like yell too much. Try to like try to stay calm and kind of like because I feel like you know when you're yelling at someone, it it's just like it's too much with all your adrenaline pump up. Plus you got the crowd. If you're just yelling, it kind of gets drowned out. But if you like just like calm, precise, you know, directions, like it's easier to follow, and guys kind of tend to pick up on it. Does it allow you to see the fight game differently? I think so. I think, uh, you know, it gives you a different perspective. Obviously, you know, when you're on the outside of the cage and you're seeing these openings, I think it, it helps you a little bit with your game because then you're like, oh, you know, I've been in this position. Now you actually get a chance of like almost like stepping out and seeing it versus when you're actually in there. It's like it, it kind of opens things up a little bit. When you watch fights, um, how do you watch them? I mean, like, like tonight, personally, I'm going to go to a buddy's house, and, and I just, when it comes to big fights, I just love watching them with my friends. Yeah. And, and just because um, I wouldn't, one of them I would call a hardcore fan where he's watching everything, yeah. whether it's uh, a UFC event, a Bellator event, or a regional show, he, he's watching everything. Where my other friends are kind of, you know, they know what's going on, but I, I, you know, I'd probably call them more casual fans than anything else. Um, and it's always interesting to me to see how they, they react to fights. Yeah. But for you, when you're, when you're watching fights, are you just enjoying the fight? Or is there a part of you where, in a way, you're scouting? It, it's a little bit of both. You know, I enjoy the fights, but I'm, all, yeah, man, I'm always watching guys. When we went to my weight class, I, I watch those guys because those guys that I potentially want to fight. You know, I want to be there at the, the highest level. So, obviously, I got to focus on every little bit of everything. So, it's like you're scouting, but then, I, you know... If it's not my class, I'll try to enjoy the fight a little more, but definitely always scouting. You know, I was talking to Carrington Banks, and he's fighting uh, this upcoming week in Bellator, and Michael Chandler is one of his main training partners. Now Chandler is the Bellator champion. Carrington's in Bellator. So Michael's got what he wants. Mm -hmm. Is it all awkward for you knowing that there are guys that you're training with that are in your weight class that are in the UFC that you go, okay, they're in a position I want to be in? And knowing that you know they may be the champion, and I may be going after them at some point, is it, is it all? Do you even think about that? It, I mean, you do, but you don't. Like, it, it, like if it comes down to where you have to fight a teammate, so it's nothing personal. Like, really, the fight game isn't personal; it's business. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, that's all it is. It's business. Like, even when you have a friend, like, hey, we can be friends before, we can be friends after, but hey, when we're in the fight, I want you to throw at me because I'm gonna throw at you. 
Yeah, I mean, it's don't like, hold back. you know, Cain Velasquez and Daniel Cormier talk forever. Oh, we won't fight each other, fight each other. But, like, you fight each other every day in the gym. Yeah. You know, you could make a lot of money, <laughs> you know, because that's, in the day, it's a prize fighting game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to make as much money as you can. Because, I mean, it's not, not a super long career, you know, average maybe 10 years. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if who cares if you train with someone? I mean, it, like I said, at the end of the day, it's just business. You know, you're just... You're both, you know, bettering yourselves. You're both going to make money. You know, if someone has something you want, you can't just be like, oh, I'm not going to have it because, oh, he's my teammate. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're kind of running into it in American Top Team, you know, guys having to fight each other, like teammates fighting each other. Obviously, you know, we had Robbie and and, uh, Woodley fight, and it was a little different because Woodley, you know, comes down sometimes, but he was, like, kind of, like, he was kind of away. But, like, say guys like uh, Dustin and Will Brooks, they're kind of, like, right there. You know, it's it's a possibility that it was something that we've kind of had to plan for because it, it's it, there's a lot of guys at same weight classes. Yeah, but it's like the, the thing when when Will made his UFC debut and after the fight they're already asking him about Poi. I'm like, I'm like, if anyone knows the dynamic between those two guys, I, the only way I can see them fighting each other would be for the title. Definitely, I can't see them. You know, because what is that's to me that's the only time teammates would fight each other is if it's for a title. Usually, that's kind of like what where we stand. You know, unless it's like, hey, this is a title contender. It's and it's a lot of money, like it makes sense. But like for the most time, obviously, it's it's title fights for you know teammates. Yeah, I mean it's, and obviously, if you're the promotion, you want it because it's, it's almost a promotional tool to say, hey, these two guys are teammates. They, they've trained together in the past. I mean, it, it's kind of you understand why the promotion wants to do it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, it's you know it's hard to fight a teammate, but like the promotion, like you know, if it's two top guys, I mean, it, it's. Man, it's a, it's a fight people want to see. It's it's hard for a promotion not to push at it. Is there a fight right now that's been booked that uh, you can't wait just to to sit down on the couch and watch? Man, I'm actually excited for tonight's fights. There's some there's some good fights tonight. Uh, man, the the Woodley and Thompson fight. I'm pretty excited about that one. I'm excited about uh, the Alvarez fight with McGregor, and I'm yeah. excited about man the the Joanna and the the other Polish girl. That Carolina, yeah. yeah it's, because I mean, there's a lot of tension between like all those all those three fights. It seems like, but all three of them. Are yeah, good. they're they're similar to the radar fights. I mean, obviously, when people are going to listen to this, it's going to be after the card's over. Um, when I did my preview podcast, I think one of the most under the radar fights is Vicente Luque and Bilal Muhammad. Yeah, that, that actually looks like a good fight too, man. That Vicente, he's man, he's a tough dude. I seen like, I felt like uh, when we had the ATT versus Black Sillians on the show, I felt like he was kind of like under the radar, and he ended up being one of the, the toughest guys on their team. I remember when that was going on, the one thing that uh, fighters who were not in the UFC said it was kind of weird because there was so much filming going on that you kind of had to alter your schedule around when you could come in and train. It was definitely it was crazy. Uh, I was getting ready for a fight when all that started. Like I had this title fight in North Carolina, and I was like trying to get ready for fights. But it's like there was times when you could train, and it was like when they had their filming, they were like there in the morning, they were there at night. It was it was madness. Yeah, it, it was, uh, and then of course the dynamic between Dan and, and Glenn kind of came out uh, in that episode. So yeah, I mean, there, there's, I mean, um, Khabib Johnson tonight. I that's, that's, that's a good one too. I told, I, I talked about this on my preview show. I've got a feeling Michael Johnson's going to win. You know what? He ha- man, he's really getting. He's he's got a knack for pulling out fights that you feel like he shouldn't win. I just, I think with Khabib, I wonder if the head is, cause he's been talking so much about the title and so much about Eddie and, and Connor mm-hmm. that it is his head completely in the fight game. Because I mean, I talk to the guys all the time. They'll say, this is so much more mental than it is physical. If your head's not in the right place, I mean, there could be something going on in your life that just all of a sudden, maybe you think, oh, it's not going to affect me in the fight. And then after a fight, you're like, you know what? That definitely played a role. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's things like some things you probably don't think that are going to affect you that much. You think you got under control. And then once you're in there, you're like, oh, like you start realizing like, hey, like this is this is kind of a problem. I mean, there's little things. I mean, it could be something small and you not even think about it. And then you look at back afterwards, you're like, man. That's is there- has there ever been anything in your career where something was going on outside of the gym that maybe you had the thought of, should I be fighting? Um, yeah, the, I mean, it's there's been a couple, like, obviously it was more like injuries, like stuff that maybe something happened. It was like, should I really fight? Should I have fought? You know, luckily I was able to pull out the wins in those, but definitely looking back, I was like, there's probably, I probably shouldn't have fought a couple of times, but sometimes you kind of have to 
We, almost have to. When you have that injury, how do you make that decision of whether you fight or not? You know, usually I kind of give it that week. I see how I feel. Obviously, uh, like once I had, I had popped the cartilage in my rib like three weeks before this fight. And it was like, man, if any kind of weight even was on top of me, I was like, I couldn't even, like, it was just like, ugh, my body just gave out. And it, but luckily, um, I mean, it, it got a little better for the fight. I mean, obviously, it was still, like, nagging me, but I was able to, you know, tough it out enough that I was like, you know, I, I can do this. You know, I just kind of had to mentally stick it out, get through, you know, I'll deal with it in the fight. I knew, like, obviously, the adrenaline kind of helps, but... It's gonna bother me in the fight, but I just gotta I gotta deal with it. In terms of dealing with pain, is rib the worst injury you've had? Yeah, definitely. Ribs ribs are definitely terrible because that hurts when you breathe, hurts when you move, when you throw punches, kicks. I mean, it, ribs are terrible. Yeah, I was talking to a guy who just uh, he had a kidney stone, oh. kept him on the sideline for uh, five months. Wow. And he, he was telling me he's like when he went into the ER, they're like, yeah, it's almost worse than um, uh, pregnancy. Oh, wow. Delivering a baby in terms of, and he's like, he goes, I couldn't do anything. He goes, I tried to go in the gym and just like, just even get on the treadmill. I just couldn't do it. Wow. Yeah. I've never had, man, that would definitely, definitely stink. I've never had a kidney stone, but I've heard that they're, they're, they're bad. Yeah. It's, uh, and there, there's a lot of injuries. I mean, I, I guess it's the difference of, are you injured or are you hurt? Definitely. So you can know? you, can you mentally tough this one out or is it really like, you know, if it was honestly, if it was a bigger fight, like if it wasn't like a smaller fight, I probably wouldn't have fought. Yeah, and it goes back to the whole, you know, hey, if I don't fight, I don't get paid. Exactly. You know, and in the day, you got to you got to make money. So, Caleb, I really appreciate the time. Let everyone know where they can follow you at on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All that. Um, definitely uh, follow me on Instagram, uh, Caleb W one forty five, and then on Twitter, it's Caleb underscore att. Is it about time to change the Instagram uh, name? Now, is it 155? Yeah, yeah I got to change it. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate time. Of course, you can check out the MMA Insiders podcast on RadioInfluence.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, leave a review of this show. I greatly appreciate it. Coming up uh, next week is Thanksgiving, and our co-host will be the returning Sam Kaplan. Sam will be joining me, and we'll talk about everything going on in the world of MMA. Radio Influence brings you the best in digital media broadcasting. When it comes to sports, we've got experts like national sports radio host Rich Herrera, the fabulous sports babe, former Major League Baseball manager Kevin Kennedy, and former Bellator matchmaker Sam Kaplan. Want a good laugh? Then go on the beach with Pants and Roller Girl, or just LOL with Nancy Alexander. And when it comes to real life, Dangerous Conversation with Scott Ledger and Beyond the Badge with Vincent Hill will make you think. When it comes to what you want, Radio Influence has you covered. Find our programming on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.